Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate Investors Lounge. Join us as we cover a multitude of real estate related topics with some of the brightest and most experienced minds in the industry. Our goal with the Real Podcast is to provide information, strategies, and insight on how to navigate the current upcoming Canadian market. We use the experiences, knowledge, and the expertise of our guests and professionals in the field and offer it all back to you, the listener. We hope you enjoy the show. Be sure to check out our website at www.reilounge.ca. We're your hosts, Brian Fitzgerald, Erica Spencer, and Jay Shaw. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Investors Lounge. My name is Brian Fitzgerald, sitting in with Jay Shaw. Eric Assignment is under the weather. Jay, under the weather. We'll go with that. Not feeling her best. That's that's the cue. That's the cue card I have in front okay, of me. Okay, cool. She's not feeling her best today. Anyways, more importantly, uh, we've got a really cool episode tonight. We are sitting down with Andrew. Andrew Walsh. Um, he is a commercial pilot for over 22 years. He's been investing in real estate for multiple years. He's a member of Rain um, and also a member of the Rockstar Inner Circle. Um, I'm going to stop right there because I don't want to steal too much of his uh, limelight. So, Andrew, thank you very much for coming on to the show tonight. How are you doing so far? Uh, good. Uh, thanks for uh, having me. Awesome. We're happy to have you. Um, so Andrew, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background, uh, uh, so we can give the listeners kind of a, a background about yourself. Yeah. Uh, I guess, uh, if I go back, uh, uh, reasonable amounts, uh, right, uh, back to the beginning, I started off, uh, in the beaches as a, a youngster, uh, beaches of Toronto and I uh, grew up there till about uh, seven or eight years old and uh, then we moved to Scarborough. Uh, Scarborough has actually become pretty nice since then. Uh, the trees have grown and uh, a lot of places have been renovated but uh, why we moved from the beaches to Scarborough back then I don't know but uh, I didn't have much say in it at uh, age eight so oh well <laughs> I, I wasn't that crazy about it then but anyway uh, yeah I went to high school out there and uh, yeah, during that time, noticed I was becoming interested in aviation, and uh, yeah, joined the <clears throat> Air Cadets kind of concurrent with high school, and uh, found out I could get my uh, glider pilot license and then pilot license uh, there, all paid for, um, and I sort of put up with the drill and stuff while I was doing that, uh, and uh, yeah, so that was that was a, a lot of fun. Uh, basically, decided. Uh, yeah, I wanted to pursue aviation further. After high school, I uh, did my commercial pilot training. Uh, my first uh, commercial job was uh, flying, uh, uh, training people uh, to fly on uh, small two-seater airplanes. Uh, then after that, I uh, got hired uh, doing uh, air ambulance and corporate charter. Uh, same company actually, and uh, it was a kind of uh, interesting place where you could be flying executives, and then uh, the same airplane. It's, we'd actually swing out the interior if uh, the uh, airplane had a, a medevac mission next, and next thing uh, it was a flying hospital room. And uh, yeah, we could be going off to some remote community uh, to pick someone up at that point. So 
<clears throat> yeah, it was uh, sort of a, a relatively uh, adventurous part of my career, going uh, uh, flying out at uh, three or four in the morning, sometimes uh, you know on a on a pager. Um, uh, you guys, you guys know what a pager is, right? I've heard of them. Yeah, <laughs> is that one of those cordless phones without the cord? Yeah, you might see them in a museum. Or, <laughs> but, yeah. so Wait, Brian, I'm googling. Yeah. It's like a big square that you put on your belt. <laughs> Yeah, it's spooky. <laughs> yeah. Check it out in the museum. Of, uh, yeah. Anyway, so it was, uh, that's, that's what we used uh, to, to go out last second. And then uh, <clears throat> I went from that uh, kind of uh, last second type of flying to uh, uh, Air Canada Jazz, where everything was just sort of, uh, you know, it's a very much more civilized life. Uh, you're just sort of... Um, yeah, you know, it's very scheduled. Uh, you know what's happening. Uh, it's just a slower pace. Uh, and uh, you know, while I was there, I actually noticed uh, I, I, I noticed the odd WestJet plane showing up in the Toronto area, and uh, I, I kind of wanted to know what these guys were doing. Um, and uh, yeah, um, read up on their business model and uh, and how they were based on the Southwest Airlines uh, model in the states and. Um, <clears throat> just very different uh, from other companies, and I thought, oh, I want to go there. <laughs> and, uh, I, I applied very quickly, and uh, yeah, I did my best to get in there. Um, in a way, it's kind of funny. I sort of see a, a bit of a parallel between that and uh, the real estate, where you know, um, in the sense where I was trying to stay ahead of a bit of a wave. You know, when I read about what they were doing, I figured they were probably going to grow a lot. Um, <clears throat> I did hear a lot of people say, "What, what are you going there for?" You're, you know, uh, they're an upstart. We don't know if they'll last or whatever. And based on what I was reading, I figured they, they would uh, be fairly significant. And, you know, I was glad I went. It's uh, It's been a great place to work. And uh, sure enough, uh, kind of like being ahead of a wave, uh, um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of uh, people poured in after that as, as it started growing uh, uh, further further and further east. So, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, good. Um, Kind of uh, so during that era, uh, very couple significant things happened. Uh, and I, met, uh, I got together with my amazing and beautiful uh, life partner Jen, and uh, that was awesome. And uh, also got interested in real estate. And uh, all right, so I have a, I have a very serious question to ask you, Andrew. Who yep. writes the jokes for WestJet? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. It depends if you approve of them or not. Do you like them? I don't mind them. It's a little, little less, a uh, little less stiff than uh, other carriers, but uh, I, I usually have a good chuckle. You don't like them, okay, Brian? Not, it's no, not me. They're, I don't. They're, they're, it's like they're like dad jokes. I did. I, I was on. I'll tell you the story. I was on a WestJet flight where they were doing the, uh, where they were doing the. Uh, this is a non-smoking. I guess they thought we were still in the 1970s. And uh, they told the joke where it was like uh, the lavatories are uh, equipped with a sensitive smoke detector. And if you're caught smoking, you will be asked to leave the flight immediately. That's true. And, then there, and then there was a long pause. And then the flight attendant said, is anyone actually listening? And then they finally, re- everyone started laughing because they finally realized what the guy had said. Anyway, <laughs> I thought it was good. That is good. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. So, um, so Andrew, I mean, we touched a little bit about it uh, on it, but maybe you can kind of, um, you know, kind of, dig in a little deeper i mean obviously you know i mean you've got yourself a very busy career a very successful career you know what made you want to you know jump in and start investing in real estate 
Well, uh, it was kind of a couple things. Uh, one was uh, looking at uh, the growth of, of my mutual fund, and I say that I say growth with like air quotes, and uh, it was uh, not really growing. And talking to my um, financial advisor as well, um, just you know, uh, you know, they ask you what are your financial goals, and you know, when I described it. Uh, she said, well, you might want to tamper those a little bit. And I, I don't think they were overly ambitious. And uh, I was thinking, well, this is the most depressing conversation ever. So uh, I thought that uh, I could use another solution there. The other thing was uh, during my, uh, uh, I, I guess I, when I was living back in Toronto there, I, uh, you know, grew, uh, spent a lot of time in Queen West and basically things blew up all around me. I just, uh, you know, and I can, I kind of saw that they would, but what I didn't quite sort of really pay much attention to was the fact that, uh, you know, it can really have a significant impact on one's life to, to invest into something like that. And then uh, the second thing was, uh, you know, the same thing happened again when I started my um, training at WestJet. It was right around 2005 and basically saw the same thing happen all around me. I've spent a fair bit of time there. We used to be based uh, only at, uh, in Calgary uh, when I first started there. And so that was, I had to commute to work out, uh, out there. So, so you guys can't complain to me about your drive to work. Uh, and then we'd have, we'd actually have to overnight, I'd have to overnight there as well sometimes. So I spent a fair bit of time. And it should have it's a long there. drive, Andrew. That's a very yeah. long drive. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And 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 uh, saw it all happen, and, and and again didn't take any action. And, and basically, I looked back and saw it was, that was two booms that I missed. And I thought, oh, okay, that's that's it. And I I decided to start uh, paying attention to investing. And I, uh, I I didn't just necessarily look into real estate immediately, uh, but it made me think about investing, and that led me back to real estate. So I'd say it was those two things that kind of uh, were catalysts, you know. Okay. And then just, um, you know, in talking, talking about, um, you know, really kind of what you saw going around you at some point you took that giant step forward. And I think that's the step that everyone really struggles with is that I'm going to do this. What was that aha moment? Like, how did you actually get started in real estate investing? Uh, I think I, after looking at those things, I decided, okay, I just, Step one, get uh, get educated. Uh, step two, uh, get in uh, a part of an be around people who know this stuff more than me, and ask them questions and uh, start uh, just uh, getting to know how to do this. Uh, you know, learn about markets, uh, what moves them, uh, how to go about. Uh, you know. Uh, acquiring a property and then uh, running it uh, it's sort of a like learning it step by step and then eventually just uh, jumping in it, it kind of helped that uh, jen and i we, we wanted to find a place to live as well uh, we uh, didn't actually uh, we, we were actually renting up until well um, too late in age we should have been buying earlier but we don't have to get into that stuff if you don't want to <laughs> but basically we we decided okay we want to buy something and live in it so we uh that that helped that uh, we were doing that as well so uh, and we sort of treated it like a rental in terms of analyzing 
um, where, you know, the area that we'd uh, be going into. It wasn't the sole criteria, but because we didn't need anything too fancy or too big, we uh, thought we would include uh, analyzing it as if it was a rental in in the way we bought it. And the, you know, is it an area that'll do well? Uh, will this place cash flow, for example? And uh, yeah, the, both those things uh, certainly turned out to be true. Uh, with if if we were to leave this house, this this uh, place would uh, be a cash flow rocket. But uh, we we are <laughs> staying in it uh, happily, and then uh, that sort of helped uh, with, with the next property and so on. Very cool. So Andrew, where whereabouts do you invest? Uh, I live. Uh, we live and invest in Hamilton. Uh, Ontario, and that's uh, that's the only place right now. Awesome. And what does your portfolio look like uh, at this point in time? Uh, yeah, I got uh, several properties uh, uh, near near the downtown core. Uh, a couple on the mountain, and one in the uh, east and the lower city. Okay. Andrew, what's the demand for local rentals in the Hamilton area for people that aren't familiar with? Uh, with the area, uh, I'd say it's uh, quite high. Uh, as uh, you and I saw, we've uh, filled uh, a couple properties uh, very quickly lately, and um, in a, an environment where we just uh, been seeing prices rising dramatically. I I was I was talking to someone who was hearing a I think a pretty reliable subject matter expert. Um, in Toronto, just saying that I think their rents, he was figuring they're going to go up uh, over the next year, about 11%. Uh, and I can't help but think that, you know, uh, areas around it will be affected similarly. Uh, that kind of a rise would uh, be typically the result of a high demand and uh, tight supply. So anyway, uh, yeah, things are things filled quickly and forever increasing uh, uh, prices. So uh, I'd say it's a good environment for them. So when with your investing in Hamilton, is it is it strictly like just convenience, you know, the area? Or is it do you you want to be able to manage your properties, you know, at arm's length? Or, or what what is keeping you and your investments in Hamilton only? Well, it, it was a little bit of the reverse, actually. Uh, I started looking in Hamilton initially as an investment, and uh, in the process, uh, kind of recognized, hey, I'd, I'd actually like to live here. And uh, this was, of course, eight years ago. I, I, I brought Jen along. I didn't really. I should have briefed her a little bit more. I mean, if you remember uh, the downtown eight years ago, it was a little bit different, and uh, I should have maybe talked to her in a, in advance. And uh, you know, she kind of looked around and said, "What are you trying to do to me here? Let's let's leave, right?" But uh, then we found some nice areas, and uh, the the nice areas have been growing since. Even the downtown has been becoming more and more nice. Uh, but uh, yeah. Basically, uh, I, I wanted to invest here. Then we uh, moved here, and uh, basically, the investments have just continued since then. So we sort of uh, investment first, and then lived here. So, and and, and right now, still finding places that uh, that cash flow is getting uh, tighter, but it is possible, and I do still see uh, uh, the potential for. 
um, significant uh, appreciation over time uh, as well. So. so, Andrew, these properties that you're investing in in the Hamilton area, they're predominantly single family? Are they multifamily? What do they look like in your portfolio? Uh, they started off uh, single family. When we first moved here, the prices were such that uh, you could cash flow, have uh, more coming in per month than going out. Uh, because, uh, yeah, the rents were high enough that uh, they, they would cover your expenses. Uh, since then, prices have gone up uh, significantly. So the last two have been uh, two family homes, uh, single families that we converted into two family. And uh, that is basically kind of, uh, roughly speaking, just, just because you know, the prices had gone up, but uh, uh, the rents do cover um, the expenses um, on a two-family house. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're right. And I think more and more investors are starting to see that as property prices increase, you're needing to, you know, move into multifamily in order to cash flow. Otherwise, you'd be pulling money out of your own pocket to uh, to float these properties. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, it's single families here and there maybe, but it's just getting uh, harder to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, Andrew, let's switch gears for a little bit. I mean, you've you've been at this for a few years now. Um, let's go back to your first deal because I mean, a lot of people like to kind of figure out, you know, how how you were able to finance your first deal. So, I mean, if you're comfortable with that, maybe you can talk about the property that you bought, um, the area in Hamilton that it's in, and and how you went about financing it. Yeah, well, we decided to keep the first actual rental uh, very simple. Uh, we bought a townhouse. And uh, so, you know, the exterior is all taken care of. It's relatively easy to read whether or not you're getting uh, you know, value for your money. A lot of comparables around and uh, easy to find comparable rents as well. Uh, so it's a townhouse on the mountain. A lot of them out there, uh, three bedroom, uh, one and a half bathroom uh, with a garage. Uh, a lot of them in Hamilton. And a lot of I should have picked up more, <laughs> but uh, yeah, basically that thing was 160,000, and uh, so it wasn't too hard to. Uh, to the initial uh, purchase was I, I sold some some stock that I had, and uh, used some of my bank account, and then uh, just a regular it was just a regular mortgage with 20% down. Awesome. 160,000, Brian. Did you hear that? Yep. Where yeah. were we? Those were the days. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't yeah. even actually seem like it was that long ago, Hamilton. No. I mean, it just it popped up so fast and so hard. So. Yeah. What would you say, Andrew? Is that like five years ago? Like less than five years ago? More than five uh, years ago? That was uh, six and a half years ago. Wow. That's amazing. 2013, yeah. 2014? Yeah. Somewhere around there, right. yeah. 20, yeah, 2013 something, yeah. Yeah, no, it is it is amazing, and I remember when I was buying it, guys were going, "Oh man, I remember when these were 120." Yeah, <laughs> and they were and they were pissed off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, Andrew, so with with the places you're purchasing in the Hamilton area, what what kind of characteristics are important to you when you're looking and purchasing a property? Well, with the ones I'm uh, purchasing now, it's uh basically single families that you can convert into a two family uh, in order to do so uh, the city has a lot of stipulations that you have to meet uh, so 
uh, looking for uh, certain property dimensions. Uh, the house has to have certain dimensions, certain square footage that you can have in, uh, as a minimum in the basement, uh, parking uh, availability. Uh, a lot that uh, I, I'm almost uh, hesitant to list uh, because uh, it, I don't want anyone writing it down because uh, it's it's a little bit exact. So you probably want someone who uh, who uh, knows exactly the stipulations, maybe just coming by and checking the place out with you or coming by during the inspection uh, just to make sure that uh, it meets those requirements. So uh, making sure that it can be converted and within that realm, uh, if I can get something that where the upstairs is just about ready to go and might need a few tweaks. Uh, there's a bonus there and that you can get a family in there or somebody in there uh, and you can start getting a little bit of cash coming in uh, while you're uh, either converting or working on the basement. Normally these places, it's the basement that uh, requires uh, most of the updating or changing or, or, or building from scratch. So yeah, uh, Looking for things that uh, for single-family homes that can uh, become two-family if uh, if it can be done easily, all the better. But I won't shy away from things that uh, take a little bit more work as well. So Andrew, I mean, uh, given your career, which you know I think is super cool, you know, um, flying for a commercial airline. I mean, you're obviously on the road quite a bit, and given your career and your travel schedule, how are you able to manage multiple properties? Because I think a lot of people, you know, when they're looking to get into this, they find objections, right? So, you know, it's very easy for them to be like, oh, I travel a lot. I could never own a rental property or, oh, I, you know, have a, have a, you know, a young family or, you know, a busy family. I could never do this. So how are you able to do this, um, you know, given your, your career and your travel schedule? You know, it's not too bad. I, I mean, uh, for for the uh, two-family homes, I have uh, my awesome property managers, and uh, that is uh, great to have. So basically, they, they take over anything that I would need to do. Uh, I still have a lot of single families that I, I manage myself, uh, and there it's just a question of having the right people in place that can uh, take calls uh, should they need them. Most of what you're talking about is like, if, if the property, if you've done things right, the property, if nothing's going wrong, it should, you shouldn't really require any calls or it shouldn't matter where you are. Uh, it's more what uh, the reason why that might become a concern is if something happens an eventuality or a problem and uh, basically, I just have a little hierarchy of, of uh, for the tenants to call should they need it. So uh, it starts with me because uh, often they, they can get a hold of me. Uh, and uh, But when I am in the air and the phone shut down, uh, then they would go to the next person on the list, which would be the number one handyman and then uh, number two. And if uh, things got so bad, they didn't get any one of the three of us, then I say, you know, check out, go to, go to home stars, find a good rating and, and do what you can, but I, it's never come anywhere near that. Uh, so I, I think that that seems to be running fairly well so far. I, I haven't had any real, real issues. Uh, knock on wood there. You, uh, you mentioned, uh, working with property management. Um, and what are the characteristics that, uh, you find that are important to help you run these properties when it comes to a property management company? 
Uh, I guess to, to think from the beginning of what they would be doing, which uh, would be, of course, uh, screening tenants and just want to make sure that they're uh, relatively thorough, uh, that they have a method, and uh, that they that they're willing to do so, um, you know, with some diligence. I, I'm generally not too concerned about that. I've had uh, I've been I've had really good tenants for the most part. Uh, whether or not I screen them or property managers have, a, uh, maybe I've just been lucky. But I think part of it is uh, that uh, that that's one thing the property managers tend to do quite well. Maybe part of that is that they 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 themselves have an incentive. Uh, their lives are easier too, and we have uh, good tenants. So. Uh, I, I tend to feel quite confident in that aspect. Another thing is I like to make sure that uh, the manager and I are on the same page with respect to uh, how we how we view the tenants. I, I view them as uh, valued clients, uh, valued customers. They're paying us a lot of money every year. Uh, and, and ultimately, they're customers, and I want them uh, taken care of well. So that includes things like uh, responding to their their needs uh, relatively quickly, uh, and I, I so I'm looking for that basic philosophy. Most I think most other things would just branch out from that. Uh, their their service would simply branch out of that basic philosophy. So uh, I think that's great. Other, then there's some you know technical stuff, just knowing the market, uh, both uh, house prices and uh, rents. And uh, recommendations they could, you know, sometimes even help you on the buying process uh, if, if they're technically uh, good enough. So I, I think that that pretty much covers it uh, there. I think uh, sort of the soft skills and also the or, or the soft aspects, and then also the technical skills. Yeah, I think what you hit there was really important about treating the tenants like customers because you're absolutely right. It's your business. They're bringing the money into your business and you got to take care of them. I think that's uh, very important information for everybody. Sorry, I'm talking on mute here. <laughs> All right, um, Andrew, how did you identify, uh, you know, which property managers to use um, and why? And I guess, you know, follow up to that. Was there not a huge degree of trust required considering, you know, at times you're thousands of miles away from the properties and you're entrusting, um, you know, these assets with, uh, you know, these property managers? Yeah, I think as far as finding the property manager's uh, goals, uh, I think that uh, I almost treat it the same way as I treat properties, uh, like the, like almost like a funnel. You know, you start you know, with a, a, a reasonable in a reasonable location, uh, and that location would be uh, a good network. And uh, your rock star is an is an example. You guys are starting a bit of a community as well. I think those are great examples of where you can. Uh, so right off the bat, you're meeting people with uh, similar, you know, like minds, and uh, even though they might have different skills, i.e., uh, you know, an investor here, a realtor here, a property manager there, and so I, I'd say it would apply with to all of the uh, professionals that you'd be using. Uh, you know, if you can get them in a in a network, uh, you'll probably uh, be on a similar page. And then from that, uh, you would probably that, so I think that narrows down the field. And then uh, within that group, uh, it tends to be a small community. You'll hear what people are saying, and uh, you'll get to know them a little bit. And uh, you can base 
you know who you who you call up and maybe ask a few questions of on that and then when and then and certainly do take it a step further and and ask them these things you know ask them what their take is on things and uh, you know I, I even even bring up the odd scenario I, I I don't like to make some official scenario up I, I'll often just think of something that I'm going through right now and say, Hey, maybe they could even help me with that. And uh, it makes it really authentic. And let's just see what they say. And uh, at the very least you might learn something from them. So I, I, I go about, uh, that's, I, I think a good way to go about it. Uh, of course, uh, references. And I think, I think that goes a long way. Um, the, as far as uh, the trust uh, required, you know, I mean, it, if you let's face it at first you don't when you're just starting out with someone there's only so much you can trust them you don't know them you don't have too much to base things on uh so i think it's fair enough uh, you know just to keep an eye on things i just i have a practice of just uh, giving uh, the tenants uh, my contact information i know some people uh, frown on that i i i think it's a great thing i don't find that they abuse it uh, i find that uh, the odd time where they they're they're uh, they do call me and it's not necessary i'll just redirect them back to the property manager uh but this way it acts like a relief valve uh, should things not be going right. Uh, otherwise you just won't know. And uh, I, I, I think it, it, it's not too long before it, it becomes a moot point. You're either uh, sticking with them or you, you know that uh, it's, it's time to move on. So uh, I, I, that seems to have, have, have worked uh, in recent times. Okay. Uh, Andrew, what would you say is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome? Uh, I, I'd say the biggest one was uh, when we uh, we moved into our, uh, our our current property because it was our first one. We never, you know, I, we had only rented before, and this place uh, it it was pretty beat up. It needed a lot of work, and uh, so I hired a um, a contractor, and I didn't. I didn't have that much of, uh, you know, construction background. So everything was, everything was new to me. And, uh, so that, that, uh, took a lot of work. I, uh, tried to, uh, uh, get involved as much as I could. I, uh, was, uh, I basically did all the, uh, all the grunt stuff. Uh, I, I was, I was basically his, uh, his grunt. I, I think he had another term for me, but uh, I don't think I can repeat that, but, uh, basically I, I was his, uh, you know, I would do all the simple jobs like demolition and stuff. So I learned a fair bit there. Uh, but uh, I, I'd say the challenge there was that, uh, you know, I, I learned that I didn't hire very well. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he was a bit rough uh, in terms of uh, the work he did. And, uh, yeah, we had to undo a lot of the stuff uh, that, that was done. <laughs> so uh, a bit of a steep learning curve at, at first. But, uh, you know, happy I went through it. Don't worry, Andrew. We've all had to uh, fire our fair share of contractors. So I think, uh, you know, every experience you go through, you learn something, right? And the only people who lie about uh, making bad hires are the ones that make them. So um, don't worry. We've all done it, Brian. I'm sure you can attest yeah, to it as well. Absolutely. So. For sure. Yeah, and 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 um, firing is uh, is important. Uh, you know, like I, I do remember in the early stages, I should have done it right away. Like we, we were heading off to Home Depot to pick up some supplies, and uh, we were going by uh, 
a complex that had this, he points out, he goes, I, I did that fence and I look at it and it just looked like hell. It looked like, it looked like an earthquake and a hurricane got together and, and the tornado came to finish it off. It was, and, and you know, that the level of competence in that fence was really scaring me for my house. So and, he was honest at least. <laughs> and, and, well, that was the, that was the second thing that, that, that he didn't, he didn't seem to know to hide that he had done that fence oh, was man. the other concern. So, <laughs> but it was a, it was a good learning experience. You know, and, uh, I, I, I don't think I would change it. All right, Andrew, let's switch gears to uh, the fire round. So this, these are a series of questions that we ask every guest that comes on the podcast. Uh, you can be as uh, short or as long-winded as you'd like, um, and we only want the truth. So um, where do you see yourself in the next 12 months? Uh, well, I, uh, I, I, I see myself getting into joint ventures. I want to be doing uh, joint ventures over the next little while. I think I've noticed that uh, I have, uh, when I look back at my, uh, all the jobs I've done, one thing that I've, I've noticed about them all is I've always enjoyed the moments where I've had a chance to surprise, pleasantly surprise people. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to do that sort of thing. I mean, obviously there's a business aspect to it. There's uh, obviously I would be, you know, it, in order to continue your investing uh, career, eventually uh, we all need to find uh, money. But uh, I do like the idea of uh, giving people an alternative and uh, people who haven't been actively investing, I think the, you know, I think they will often just sort of do what they got to do, uh, sort of the investing part is a chore, probably get herded into just some mediocre uh, returning uh, vehicle. And, uh, I, you know, I've just seen the returns on my properties. And if uh, those were to be shared, they'd still be just awesome. And uh, I, I'd like to just sort of see uh, just how they respond to that possibility. Um as well as, uh, you know, just the fact that it is sort of a, a more multidimensional thing. There's something that you can take uh, a little more pride in, you know, having uh, ownership in a house. So I, I'm kind of looking forward uh, to doing that, as well as just the ability to stay, uh, to, to continue buying houses. Okay, awesome. Can we get the long version of that answer now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Go, I'm I kidding. Could, I could go on if you want. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's your it's your uh, it's your episode, Andrew. We're just giving you a hard time. Um, where do you see the market in the next twelve months? Um, don't know. How's that for uh, short? Oh, this is this is the that's, one that I want your that we want to hear from you. That's first no, I, honest I, answer. I, I think I think uh, Canada wide. I mean, we don't buy uh, nationally, but uh, I think I could see it being a little bit tumultuous. Uh, but uh, more locally, I, I think that you know uh, those same factors that could be making it tumultuous will be a factor. But I can't help but uh, feel like the, the fundamentals of supply and demand are still there. We still have a lot of people pouring into the Golden Horseshoe, and uh, supply is tight. Mm -hmm. So. I think that uh, you know those things could be a factor, uh, but uh, so they could influence it. But I still see I still see, uh, I still see a, a, an upward trend, uh, relatively muted compared to uh, the, the craziness we saw not too long ago. But I still 
I think at least around Hamilton, uh, a bit of a, an upward trend. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Andrew, who do you learn from? The Rockstar Inner Circle has just been an amazing source of education, uh, both in terms of uh, the coaches, but also just the, the members. It's just been a great spot. Uh, the the Rain community, Don Campbell's just been uh, a source of uh, information and inspiration. So, uh, yeah. Um, and I, I'd say everybody to a large extent, uh, even myself, every every time I make a mistake. So, and I've been a good teacher in that way. Too, so. Great. Um, Andrew, what are you currently reading? And if you're not much into reading, uh, what podcasts are you listening to? Yeah, uh, right now, uh, re- reading a book called uh, the, uh, uh, the You Are the Placebo. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. It's uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And it's just sort of talking about uh, what goes on with your, uh, you know, we, we all appreciate that there is a placebo effect out there. But then the moment you talk about it, it's sort of a little bit hocus pocus sounding. And he sort of gets into the science behind it and uh, how it can go even beyond uh a medical context. So I, I just found that quite interesting. Uh, podcast, uh, obviously Investors Lounge, uh, the uh, Rockstar, um, uh, what is it? The, uh, yeah, the Rockstar podcast, anyway. It's so good you can't even remember the title. <laughs> he remembered ours, like, though. That's good. They're like two terms. <laughs> and, uh, uh, a little bit of uh, Tim Ferriss, I find, you know, the, the human guinea pig, I find him very interesting to listen to as well. Just uh, always got some interesting stuff. Andrew, if you could do one thing differently in the last year, what would it have been? Uh, uh, same thing as previous years, uh, buy more, buy faster. And uh, so I, I'm trying to ramp that up a little bit now. But, uh, yeah, uh, I would just have you know, that much more investment under my belt. So, yeah, pretty simple answer there. All right. And last last but not least, but most important, what advice would you give those sitting on the fence just watching you, and what would you say to them? Yeah, I'd say uh, I think I'm echoing a lot of people there. I think, you know, really knowing why you're doing it is uh, quite valuable. It just gives you the fuel. Um, makes, it convinces you when you return to your you know, why you're doing things. It uh, gives you the fuel to continue, um, helps you get through the frustrations and so on. I'd say joining a network uh, is uh, very useful. Uh, you can find people who are just a little bit ahead of you. So uh, they won't be far from your position. So they will remember uh, and they'll be able to identify with you the most. Um, I think if uh, I think a large part of what pe- keeps people on the fence is uh, perhaps a lack of confidence. Maybe you could call it fear of uh, what could happen, uh, the unknown. Uh, you could almost, if if you're going to insist on being fearful, you could almost uh, be fearful. Look at look at uh, what to be afraid of on the other side of the equation as well. You know what would happen if I don't act. Uh, as uh, my buying power uh, rots in this uh, in this appreciating environment, that's maybe something to be afraid of too. Maybe maybe it'll counterbalance uh, the reason why you're sitting on the fence. Uh, yeah, I, I think those would be things. And then uh, you know, get yourself uh, educated and uh, just 
don't wait for every light to be green because they won't always be green. And, uh, just uh, take things one step at a time. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Andrew, just with your last and parting comment is that, you know, and if I can paraphrase for you, there is a cost for inaction, right? So if you flip it to what are you afraid of, right? By not acting, there is a cost associated with that. And I think a lot of people are sitting back and, you know, like you said, they're they're afraid to get started. But I think what you've done is you've surrounded yourself with like-minded people, people that have the expertise that are willing to share that, you know, share their story, share their experiences, and most importantly, share their challenges. Um, and that's really kind of, you know, helped you to get to where you are today. So on behalf of Brian, Erica, and myself, the Real Estate Investors Lounge, we really appreciate you taking some time uh, tonight to tell us your story, to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, your journey um, and, you know, the success that you've, uh, that you've uh, you know, achieved in, in Hamilton. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Thanks, Andrew. Really appreciate it. And uh, right on, guys. Be safe up there in the air, okay? Yes, sir. Alrighty. Take care. No, no texting and flying, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Would never do that. You'd get fines for that. Now. <laughs> do you get points up there or no? Uh, or what? Like for for speeding and that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, we're done. Awesome. All right, Andrew, <laughs> thanks very much. Have a great night. Okay, thanks, Appreciate Andrew. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Okay, have a good night. Hey, it's Jay from the Real Estate Investors Lounge, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. If you're serious about getting started in real estate investing and you haven't taken that giant step forward, I challenge you to come out to one of our educational events. On the first Saturday of every month, we host an educational speaker at the Niagara REI. If you're interested in getting started, feel free to check out our website at niagararei.ca.